Vitor's got to protect himself. Big elbow. Oh, Vitor's in deep, deep trouble. Dean's gonna That's stop it. On video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Listen to me, we're at it. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. We have to jump right into it. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Chris Weidman for the whole show. And Matt started by saying, I have a fuck on my arm. I got to hear what that is. Well, I mean, look on my right shoulder yeah it's a brown fuck oh i do see that that's yeah. not good you could hardly see it though yeah that's put on your hey mr magoo put on your bifocals and look i see it, it. It's, i see it yeah that's bad that's you bad. know what the kids yeah. aren't gonna get the reference mr magoo well, did you train with that shirt was that shoulder pressure in someone's bleeding mouth <laughs> that's blood stain i i taught this morning Chris, Chris Wyman, first of all, what a shitty fucking intro to a fucking former champion. I mean, how many times? I didn't defend my belt. I don't care if you don't call me a champion, <laughs> but Jim, Jimmy, shame, shame Matt, on you. No, Chris is a friend. Like I, I, you're right. Former middleweight champion, great champion, Chris Wyman. But we're, we're friends with Chris, <laughs> and you started off by saying, I got a fuck on my shoulder. So before you forgot it, because I always get yelled at because Matt has ADD, and he says I move on too fast. So if I would have said, former middleweight champion, you would have said, Jimmy, my fucking ADD. Like, there's no winning. So I had to go right to you. <laughs> well, the good thing is we all have ADD, so it's all right. We all, yes. we all have the same disability. And, and then we were off air when I told Chris that I miss him. Yeah, I miss you too. Thank you. I oh want my to gosh. say that on here. I know, I, I, know. I, moved, I moved down south. I can't believe it. That's why I got a southern accent now. And you know what's funny? This. You know what's funny, Chris? I just saw this morning, I just seen, let's just say, I took a nap. I do the 7 a.m. class, and then I take a little nap in my lounge, and then I come out, and then sometimes people do private lessons. So I saw Zach, and he was training with uh, Sean Cooper from the, from the band. Hey, yeah. Back uh, Sunday, and raging ally Aquinta. Oh yeah, he was. We were talking about. I don't want to get you a little peanut butter and jelly, but we were talking about going out with all the guys and going to maybe Eddie's. I don't want to make you jealous because I know you can't come. come. No, I'll come. Maybe I'll come in. When are you guys doing that? Very soon. It's happening. But I I was happy to see him today. And hold on, Jimmy doesn't even know. That you competed overseas in grappling. Did you know yes, that? Yes, of course I knew that. I'm sorry, Jimmy. He's going to yeah. pretend like you knew it if he didn't. You I, but yeah, You're right, but I did know it. Um, and I'm happy you were able to after the surgeries. I mean, we wanted to ask you how you were doing and how it felt. It felt good, man. It felt good to be back, uh, you know, to be in front of a crowd and be able to compete. And, you know, grappling, even though it's not fighting, you know, I, you still get the nerves. You still get like, you know, you, you had to cut a little weight, you know. So it almost felt like a fight. So it was a good opportunity to, opportunity for me to jump in back into before I get into a fight uh, because my leg is still I'm still working with uh, working through some things with my leg and uh, to give myself a little bit more time to recover I, I, I thought you know jump in a grappling event and uh, start with that and it was good it really felt good to be back in there get those nerves again and uh, I'm really excited to come 
you know, get back into a fight now. After Anderson broke his leg, like I, I wondered how long it takes to get where you can just throw a kick like without thinking. And, and what, what do you think for that? Like when, when you be able just to react the way you need to react without that being there somehow? I'll tell you, in sparring, I'm completely fine. I don't, I don't let it bother me. I kick fine. Um, but again, I haven't been in a fight yet. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be picking my kicks a little bit more carefully, uh, you know, you know, finding, you know, that real meaty spot on someone's leg before I kick. Yeah. And uh, if there's a chance of a, of a, a check going on, I will uh, make sure I try to go the other way on that. Now, um, but it, for me, my biggest issue is not the kicking thing right now. Like still getting up on my toes and like pushing off. I still, cause I had a bunch of issues. Like I had, you know, uh, a surgery, I've had a bunch of surgeries, ESPN is doing a documentary on it. So I'm not allowed to say uh, too oh. much because they, they're telling us, you know, they're supposed to tell the story. Sure. Um, but I had, you know, been dealing with a lot of stuff. And one of the things that bothers me um, is when I'm up on my toes and like really like pushing off and, and moving. And they just think like another couple of months and I'll be good with that. Great. Now, sometimes these people say, oh, I broke the leg, but they'll say now it's in this, it'll never break like that again because it's stronger and yada, yada. Is this one of those cases uh, like where you're like, all right, I got like a steel. What is going on with your leg? I mean, what is yeah. going on in there? Like the shin, because it was horrific. Like what not like what is going on in that leg now? Is it stronger, weaker? I is there apparently a thing in there. The, What's going on? Yeah, I got a titanium rod through the middle of my shin bone, you know, right through the whole, you know, from the top of my knee all the way down to the low, you know, low part of my ankle to, you know, the bottom of the tibia. And so I think uh, on paper, I think I'm like pretty good. Like, I don't think there's for me to break my bone and then through the rod. I don't think that's going to happen. A compound fracture is not going to be happening. Um, But you know what? My goal is to kick as hard as I possibly can. So maybe it does happen. I just want to defy defy the odds. Imagine that. It might be helping. I'm just kidding. No, no, but listen, you have a titanium. You're like Wolverine. Like you have a titanium rod in there is that like even more dangerous because you're hitting with hey i got a titanium fucking knee i'll do a fucking chris weidman fucking knee destruction not you destructing your knee you, <laughs> you, you the Anderson. Like, yeah, i'll exactly. fucking check a knee like that they kicking titanium i think i'll be fine bro i mean i've seen both sides of this thing isn't that crazy i was yep. the guy that had the sure. titanium knee that people would ask me to take pictures they want to kick me what are your bones made out of like it's crazy and then I know I was the dense bone guy. And then next thing I know it, I'm freaking the guy with the fragile bones. And, now they're uh, telling you to drink milk. Yeah, like what the hell's wrong with you? Did he reach oh, out to you after that as someone who had been through it? As, yes. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, he was actually great. Uh, he was great to talk to. I actually had him on my podcast and we spoke about the whole thing. He was my first guest on my podcast oh, nice. when I started, uh, which was, I don't know, maybe a month <laughs> after I broke my leg. And uh, it was like, you know, we had, you know, Matt knows, but when we were, we fought, you know, we had like, you know, you're going to war. Like, I didn't really like care for him. Like, I I respected him as a fighter, but like, there were some things that happened backstage and stuff like that, where I wasn't going to be his friend, you know, but uh, after I broke my leg, you know, I reached out to him and he was awesome. And uh, now I, now I'm like friendly with him and I got a lot of respect for him. Like never before. I feel like just because the way he handled with uh, me breaking my leg and how awesome he was with uh, all of his advice and stuff that he gave me. Um, yeah. Well, 
I just put this out there. I'm not a conspiracy guy, but maybe, just maybe, he's so nice because he had a fucking voodoo doll, and that's some fucking Amazon voodoo deep jungle shit. And he put a voodoo, he got that voodoo doll, and he kept the wagon. Ah, he fucking oh. did it. And he said, fuck you, Chris Weidman. Bro. You're right now. I don't know. Jimmy, I don't know where I'm I will what? say this, though. When I when my leg broke, Jimmy, when I, I kicked Uriah right Hall, I kicked Uriah right Hall, and I, I fall back. My leg's not there anymore, which I didn't realize, because I thought I was like, man, there's no way Uriah right Hall takes any more of those kicks. As I go down, I, the first time I spotted my leg with my eyes, the first thing I thought that went through my mind was, this is my leg? That's that's exactly what Anderson Silva's leg looked like. This is this is weird. No. How is that my leg? This is fucking, this is crazy. It's the only time I've really seen it was with Anderson Silva. So all of a sudden it's my leg in there. I'm like, it was oh, mind effing. You know, it was crazy. When you feel it, Chris, I know it's excruciating, but do you, do you go into shock? Like, do you feel the impact of it immediately or do, or, or do you kind of go into shock? You know, I honestly wish shock kicked. I, I had intense pain Oh, shit. As I don't know if it was because so the one as soon as I broke my leg and I saw it I go holy crap I saw the bones and everything I go wow I just remembered Anderson Silva screaming in pain like someone was murdering him and I go I know this is gonna suck and here it comes and as soon as I thought that oh. bone the pain kicked in and I go I'm, I was just begging people please you know they're, now they're moving my leg around they're trying to hold it into place as they get oh. me on a stretcher and all this crap and the you know the bones are moving around and uh the pain, I, I can't even explain the pain. The pain was the worst thing I could ever imagine. And uh, what were you saying? Oh, please what? Saying, asking them what? Yeah. Well, uh, two things. I, I kept I kept begging them to give me pain pills. Give me something quick. Put me to sleep. Put me like, get me on painkillers. Like, know. knock me out. I right. cannot deal with this. This is not meant for human beings to deal with. And uh, yeah. Jesus. Jimmy, my little Jimmy would have fainted. Just been, not if it happened to him. If he was like nearby and seen that, I think he would have fainted. Well, I saw, I was standing. It's funny. I was at the the fight with Anderson and I watched as they were bringing him by on the stretcher. I was right there in the, in the first row. So he came by me. And what I remember about him was him just going like almost like trying to breathe, to stay uh, conscious uh, or, or just to, to, to not scream. I, I felt like he was almost trying to not scream as well. Uh, but yeah, he, you could tell he was in agony. Um, when, by the way, when did you get knocked out? Like when did the pills, like when did they finally give you pain management? So we had to wait for the surgeon for the next day. So once I got to the hospital, they gave me crazy oh. amount of like morphine, all this crap. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But they didn't, but it didn't help at all. I'm still screaming in pain. Please give me some, just put me to sleep. Please do like, you know, put me out. And they, they put me out. Like they put me in a sedative sleep, I guess, to, because the bones came out of the skin, uh, which God that thing happened. Did they really? That, that didn't happen with Anderson Silva. So yeah, the bones came through the skin and stuff. So they had to, they were worried about infection. So they had to clean it up and reset it and everything before they do the surgery. And so they put me to sleep like in a sedative sleep while they washed it out and put the bones back oh. in the skin. And then I woke back up and then I had to wait all the way to the next morning in crazy pain uh, in, until they finally uh, did the surgery, put me to sleep and all that. And the, the morphine didn't do anything. Morphine did nothing. They gave me they, they they gave me the max amount they're legally allowed to give somebody and morphine. Isn't there something uh, they can give you to like uh, not an epidural but something like that that could knock you out below the waist? Well, yes, but they wouldn't do that. I, there's a reason why you don't do that. You know, at that time before surgery, I guess you have to wait till you're going into surgery. That's why I asked. Can you give me a block? You know, like a nerve block, so I don't feel my legs. They wouldn't do that. 
So I had to wait till that next morning. I remember uh, Dana White came to the hospital, which was very nice of him. Also sent me home on a private jet to get back, which was awesome. Um, but he comes in and I'm literally crying like a little bitch. I don't, I don't think I'll ever be able to look at Dana White again this no. because he see me in my worst moment. I'm like, please, Dana, I never asked for anything. Please make sure I have a good doctor. Like I was, I mean, they were worried that I, like my leg didn't have a pulse, you know, like they, they, sure. my, my foot didn't have a pulse, I guess at first they were all, you know, paranoid. They were going to, you know, possible amputation and everything. And I'm in the middle of a, I'm in a random emergency room in Jacksonville, Florida. You know, like, well, you're not getting the best doctors. You got to get who was there. And so my one thing that Dan was like, please just make sure I have a good doctor. Yeah. And he was like, he was on it, you know, but uh, it was uh, it, it became so an embarrassing scary. moment as well. I- I'm sure he understands. As I look back later. I'm sure he understands. Hey. I hope so. Hey, man, that's in the, that's in the rear view mirror. Hey, Jimmy, if I was a comedian, I'd fucking, for myself, I'd retire that old fucking voodoo doll bit. Why? What was wrong with the voodoo doll bit? Even <laughs> though it made no Jimmy, sense. Stop it. stop it, Jimmy. You're being it made, No, it made perfect sense because if Anderson had a voodoo doll, first of all, he would have used it in between the first and second fights to help himself, not against Chris uh, he, he fighting Uriah Hall. Like with the voodoo doll? It never would have happened because it, it would have, he would have won the, he would have won the second fight, Anderson, if he was, if he had a voodoo doll. Well, That's maybe why he that just theory's recently broken. got into the voodoo doll world. Oh, maybe afterwards, and he figured he would try. It. Possible. Yeah. Enough of yeah. the all right. It no, didn't I, work. I disagree. Listen, you don't have hey, to retire it. Yes. Hey, this is what I want to bring up. Sure. You so you're back and you felt. How does it feel now? Are you still in pain at night or anything? Are you like, oh, I'm itchy or like my fucking nah? Anything? Or you nah. almost like forgot it happened. Like, no, I, I'm I'm good. Like I'm I'm pretty much there. Like like I said before, it's just like a little bit when I'm up on my toes and stuff like that, and I start bouncing. I get like a little pain in in the like uh like on the shin and stuff. But they're saying that's just based on the quad and the cap need to get a little bit stronger still. And so when that happens, I'll be good. So I'm just doing physical therapy and still working on that. And Chris, as we were coming into the, to start the show, I heard you and Jake talking briefly, and I know you do a podcast as well. And you and you said you spoke to Corey Sanhagen today and uh that i mean infuriating split decision uh it's really crazy to me and that's why i love dana because he'll call it out but how somebody could see that i mean uh, maybe i'm naive i I had it i literally had like 50 45 sanhagen 49 46 maybe on a judge's scorecard sure but 48 47 in in favor of uh marlon vera i mean that that's almost like you need to investigate that judge and see if there's other motives. I mean, that's like one of the worst things I've ever seen. Well, I think it's, it was absolutely disgusting. There was, I thought it's Corey. I thought he won 50, 45. Yeah. Maybe the third round was a little bit more competitive because he had, it was the first time he didn't get the takedown. They were just on their feet. So I think maybe you start swindling that in that direction. Like, Oh, look, he's doing better. So you want to like, you know, your team, your team Vera at that point, but um, still Corey won that fight. I think really what Vera landed in that third round was a really good calf kick. And, a, and a, he hit a, like a good left cross yeah. or right cross one or the other that landed pretty decent. But other than that, I still thought San Hagen picked him apart. Uh, yeah, I think so too. His striking was uh, better than I've ever seen it. Uh, everything he did worked. Well, you think that Vera with the striking would, it would have been the big advantage for him and he just couldn't, I, if, it was weird to see him that, frustrated you know what i mean because marlon Vera always figures out a way when you see a guy that great just having a bad night all around um you know it's 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 not common for him the dude sandy he's i'm sorry matt go ahead 
No, it looked like he was almost mesmerized or like frozen. Like he couldn't get the rhythm of yep. uh, Sanhagen. And Sanhagen wrote on his Instagram, because I like a certain part of this, I'm going to point out. But he wrote, he wrote um, and it really sums it up nicely when you watch the fight. He wrote, this one felt like I was surfing on the clouds. All energies in, in me working together, moving in one direction. I was watching myself decide and could sense danger like it was heat. I like that part. Mm. So awake to it all. I love this sport. I like and could sense danger like it was heat. Oh, that awesome. would make me go, oh. <laughs> right or right? That's, I don't know. There was something very poetic about that. And he was in the zone in the moment. He, he that was that was probably one of the, the best he ever looked. I don't know. Just, you know, it, it looked like he just couldn't get going at all. Yeah, they 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 kept mentioning that he's a slow starter. So, and I know his coaches told him in between the second and third round, "Hey, listen, you know, well, I think between the first and second, yeah. you don't want to go down 0-2. Right? Let's go. What are you doing? Yeah, Perillo was on him, but oh, even when he it. did start bringing in his A game, Corey was just Corey was just too much for him, man. His movement, the way he switches from orthodox to southpaw, was so fluid. And then the fact that he was able to add in wrestling the way he did and heavy ground and pound on top. I mean, he really showed himself as a, a real complete fighter in this fight, especially as a guy who we kind of just saw as just a striker, a guy in a, in a division filled with amazing wrestlers. You got, obviously, you got uh, Aljo, Marab, Cejudo. So how does a guy like that eventually get to the top? But those guys, he, he was able to show that he also has that, that he brings to the table, the wrestling aspect. And he called out Marab. Um, and I love that for Marab because Marab is now, they can't ignore him anymore. They have to deal with him. Cause my theory with him is that he's just, he just, he just, he is such an animal with cardio and he's so hard to beat that nobody wants to deal with him. Like they just, people would rather hope that somebody else beats him and now they have to deal with him. So I love seeing him get these high, uh, these, these giant name call outs. And I think Marab has a bunch of great fights coming up. Um, what what do you think? Does he does he take the fight with uh, with Sanhagen um, and see what happens with Cejudo Aljo? So me, so uh, yeah. I actually just spoke to Sanhagen and I asked him because you know, obviously Marab is a tough matchup for anybody. No, who wants to face the machine? Yeah, I mean what he just did to Peter Yan is Correct. ridiculous. I mean fifty forty five, unbelievable performance. Forty eight takedown attempts. Didn't get tired at all. Um, he's and no. matchup wise, it's a terrible matchup for Sanhagen uh, on paper. So for him to call him out was awesome. But I I talked to him and he said that I asked him why didn't you call out Sean O'Malley? Sean O'Malley's just sitting there. He's this big pay per view draw. Matchup wise, a great matchup for you, and they're just letting him sit there waiting for the title. Why not call him out? And he was like, honestly, because I, Marab is the tougher fight. It's a really scary fight for me. He's so good. And I want to have a championship mind before I become a champion. And I want to fight the best guys. So I have that experience before I become a champion. And I thought that was super respectable, you know, which you don't see very often where the, like a guy who really just wants the toughest test for himself, as opposed to looking for like, you know, the money fight where it's an easier fight for him. Jimmy, you heard the yeah. call out, right? I uh, no, I read. Oh, the I saw he, the fight, but I didn't hear the I call out. It was pretty funny. He said it's funny. He didn't yeah. say it. Like, Cause if you're reading it, it sounds corny, but he meant it to be corny. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He wrote, Marab, you're hungry? Well, yeah. I've got something for you to eat. And it 
And it don't doesn't taste, taste good. I ruined it. It doesn't that. taste good. And it don't <laughs> taste good. But and he, he was laughing like, the whole time. Yeah, he did it silly. I like him. I like uh, yeah. Corey Sagan. And uh, I like that he said, because a lot of people don't have this uh, take on it. He said that Mar- what Marab and Aljo are doing are good for the sport. He's saying that it shows that things are more, some things are more important than titles. Yeah, Sanhagen. Sanhagen gets it. He he does. You know know what else is interesting, though, is because Marab is sitting out. He's not going to be able to fight. He's not going to fight for the belt when Aljo's the champion. And Aljo said he's going to, you know, beat Cejudo. Then, you know, he beats um, O'Malley. Then he'll go up and wait. But that could take a long time. Injuries and stuff like that. So from the UFC's point of view, you got a guy like Marab who was a problem, who if they keep giving Marab fights, it's going to be ruining, kind of ruining the division. It's going to take the, the, the contenders that they're trying to build up to eventually fight for the belt. He's he's just ruining them. He's taking them off the table. If you give Sanhagen Marab and Marab runs right through him, but Marab right. still won't fight for the belt, it kills Sanhagen and kill, kills any build up with that. So you saw, I don't know if you've seen recent, but they were trying to give, they're trying to give uh, Marab Umar Namegamedov. Umar Namegamedov, I guess, wrote on Twitter that they he was offered a fight with Marab in May, and then Marab apparently is injured. He's got a hand injury, and uh, they said they'll postpone it for a little bit later down the line, maybe like midsummer. So he was proposing that literally the UFC is trying to make him fight Umar, who is kind of a no-name 16th. at this point, very dangerous, and giving him an opportunity to fight the number one guy in the world, jumping from 13 to 1. Which yes. doesn't happen, but and a and a guy that doesn't help Marab at all. This Sixteen is and zero. Yeah, sorry. This this is the problem with Marab sitting out doing the right thing by a friend is that the UFC is not going to be like, yeah, we're not giving you the top guys. We're going to give you these crazy hey. up and comers with 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 no names. That's a great point. I hadn't thought. I'm sorry, Matt. That what a good point that was. That he wrecks those guys if they're like marching towards a title and then he's, he's like a brick wall and he just stops them, but he's not himself fighting for the title. Then where does it leave the division? That's a great point is that guys like they don't want O'Malley with Marab. They don't want him anywhere near Marab because that's a very tough fight for O'Malley. He's a tough fight for anybody. And he can, Marab can, I think beat anybody in that division. So you're right. Any, any build up to a great fight that they have, you know, he's just basically throwing cold water on it uh, by beating these guys. It's a great point. Yeah. It didn't really come from, I heard someone, I don't remember, honestly, I, not that I've been, I'm trying to keep it, you know, keep it quiet, but someone had told me, I think maybe Sean Shelby or something said something to this effect of really oh. with this situation, just like, what, what do they do? What are they, I mean, they, they're not in this position very often where a guy who's ranked number one in the world doesn't want to fight for the belt. And so then he's faced with fighting these other guys. Like, what do you do with them? I think you're, we're worrying about it prematurely people got fights to happen and uh if he fights Sanhagen which he said he'd fight anywhere anytime in response to Sanhagen's uh call out and Aljo's got a fight let them both win their fights then we start worrying about shit man he's a they're fighting savages and you know I think we all could be worried about you know let's I mean I want the obviously if they both win that's a problem we want to have so yeah and yeah. also, you know what, Matt's funny. Sanhagen uh, lost very, very quickly to, to Aljo. So there's really, it'll be a hard sell to make that rematch to sell. Like, you know what I mean? That's, that's not an easy fight to sell because Aljo beat him so quickly the first time they fought. So maybe Sanhagen wants to have another fight and just hope that somebody takes out Aljo so there's a new champion uh, and, and another matchup for him that, uh, that looks How good. Dare you? 
Sorry. But I mean, that's maybe what he's hoping for. How dare you, Jimmy? That's my I, up, Jimmy. I said it the first time. <laughs> I tried to slip it in there. Now what? I'm yelling it. Sam Higgins going to hear that and say, you little fuck. No, he knows I'm right. No. It's a hard fight to sell. Not that he can't win it. It's a no. hard fight to sell. You're making it. He's taking This is the thing. San Hagen, I guarantee San Hagen wants Aljo to have that fucking belt when he gets to it. Because if he, well, if he gets past Marab and whatnot, because he's going to show, he wants to show that he's the best. He's showing that now by trying to fight Marab instead of Sugar Sean. So, okay. But no, you're thinking, oh, an easier fight. No, 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 no. That's- I didn't say that. He's not afraid to fight him. Comment, look at Bilal Muhammad. Look what he's done since he fought him. Look what he's done from Frank. No offense. I love Frankie. Sure. Frank, some of these highlights, some of these fights, even the Peter Yan fight was close as shit. Oh, no. TJ, who did he fight? No, sorry. Dillashaw and Piotr Yan. Yeah, he lost yeah, to both of those guys. Yeah, both, both decisions. Close. And yeah. both of them were very close. Very. No, no, but I'm not saying he doesn't want to fight him. What I'm saying is he might be looking at it like, it's going to be hard for me to get this fight made, kind of like Bilal Muhammad, Leon Edwards, because whoever we had on made a great point about that first round, Leon was winning. It's, that's why Bilal is not getting this shot. Even well, though he's deserving hey. of a shot, it's a harder fight to sell because they've already tangled up and it didn't look very competitive. Well, I like to tell you, you're like, should the person we had on made a great point. I made that fucking point. Oh, I thought that was our, uh, I thought that was our guest. <laughs> Jimmy, I do love you, but I uh, did make that point. All right, you made the point. Uh, well, so you know I'm right then. I, what's that? So that's right then. You see what I'm saying? I absolutely disagree because mm-hmm. I'm thinking he's shown so much since he fought Aljo. He's going to be like, look, I'm not saying it's a fluke, but that's not the way that shit's going. Anybody that knows MMA knows that that's not gonna that's not gonna happen nine out of ten times and yeah yeah. But, but that, to be honest, to be honest with you, I feel Aljo his one skill kind of trumps the well-roundedness of Corey. I think it can sure. still kind of f him because he's that good in that one area. You know what I mean? So, I don't well, know. I don't think they'll never that fight based on what we're hearing so far will never happen because Aljo if he wins, he's fighting Sean O'Malley. End of 2023, oh. and then he's going up a weight class. If he happens to lose, Sanhagen, that I guess that's the only way it happens, really, is if Aljo win, if Aljo loses. Right. That's what, so he gets a better shot, uh, a faster maybe shot at the bell. Again, I don't think he's. I think he would love to have that fight back. He would probably love to fight Aljo, but again, the UFC makes the fights that they think are going to sell, and they're giving it to uh, to, uh, to to Cody instead of Bilal Muhammad, and I think there's a reason for that. I think they just want to fight that they can, that's well, competitive. Colby, they can sell. Colby's oh, Colby, sorry, Cody. Yeah, Colby coming to you. Yeah, he's, he's a big pay-per-view draw, man. Huge. Like, it, it, he's been out for, what is it, almost two years? Over two years, stay super quiet. The whole Masvidal yeah. thing is going on, but they bring him back for a title shot, and Bilal Muhammad's been doing everything you would think on paper, right? You know, he's talking on Twitter nonstop. I mean, I see him all over the place on Instagram. Winning fights. Winning fights, which is the most important, and uh, still he gets trumped by Colby Covington. You know what it is too. No it might, I think you're right because people uh, like Bilal Muhammad and people like Leon Edwards. I don't think there's any, you know, but Colby Covington people hate, so or they love, like Connor. So when you have that, people will buy like they did with Jake Paul just to see if a guy gets his ass kicked, and it doesn't matter why you buy a pay per view. If you buy it, it costs the same whether you love or hate the guy. So, I, you know, obviously there's a smart move. There's, um, not, a, there's not a mystery there, Jimmy. Right. Like, like we talked about before, 
we've seen them in the cage together. It wasn't going Bilal's way before right. the eye broke. Yeah, you were right. Why do we have to? Do we really want to see that? Nothing in that first round made me say, yo, man, I got to see that again. I mean, right. don't get, and I like Bilal a lot. Of course. He's been having much success, you know, but he's gotten better since then. But I would, I don't even like fucking Colby Covington at all. I think he's an asshole. But was I, that a five round fight? That's a hard fight. That's a hard fight for Leon. Yeah. I think that was a main event. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was. But that's a hard fight for Leon, man, because yeah. he, like Colby Covington, as much as I don't like the guy, uh, he, like Marab, they use their endurance as a weapon, you know? So he could keep going for those shots and keep, even if they're failed shots, it's, he doesn't stop. So no. I think he's going to be on on Leon's ass, man. That's a rough fight for Leon. It really is. It yes. Is. Uh, but I, I want to give some shine before we, um, I, before we go ahead, uh, before we move on. Holly Holm is getting better with a she's looking amazing man what she did to santos and the way she um blended in the striking with the the takedowns are looking excellent ground and pound everywhere just everywhere cage the cage wrestling she looked awesome i mean i don't know man what can you say about holly home no i agree i think she looked great um 41 years old she's ranked third in the world just i think what's the girl what's the other girls rank that she just beat santos she's top at least top six or something she number six yep yeah yeah ranks ranks sixth and um she put her on a complete dominator and she dominated her not in the way that we would expect that she always does which is like you know using movement and staying away using her boxing and just kind of picking people apart uh she did it with wrestling and with some great ground the pound she she was able to adjust during that fight because that girl was running in like a madman to try. It was a little weird how she was really like jetting forward, blitzing forward and Holly Holmes switched it up and started using takedowns and did a great job on top. And uh, I would love to see her in a big fight. This next fight. I don't think, uh, I don't think title fight, but maybe like a Juliana Pena. And if, uh, if Holly Holmes able to beat her, I'd give her the title fight. Guess who knows. And did you see, uh, I, I mean, obviously comeback of the night. It, it looked like Hagler Hearns, that first round of Vergara against uh, Lasarda. The uh the second fight up. Did you see that fight? That uh, yes, it was on the it was on the uh, prelims. The second fight of the prelims. And what I wanted to ask you guys is, like, you've seen guys kind of backing up and just recovering by moving away. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody literally running the way uh, uh, Vergara was. He was almost physically running in the cage. I mean, he had to because he was about to get knocked out. But I I, and he comes back and he wins the fight, which was so fucking. It was almost two ten eight rounds. Back to back, if that if Lasarda had held on for that, I, have you ever seen anybody actually running at that speed? I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen guys backpedal, but never like that. I did I with Manhoof. Uh, somebody Manhoof. Um, I forgot his name. Something Manhoof. Am I saying it right? He's a he's a Manhoof. Manhoof. Yeah, I think you're yeah, yeah. Elvin Manhoof. Yeah. He was going after. I forgot the dude's name. It's on the tip of my tongue. But that dude literally turned his back and was like. Whoa. Running around the cage. <laughs> I think but, Connor uh, might have did it with uh, Nate Diaz. I think he might have turned his back and ran. Who? Connor. I think Connor might have ran from Nate a little Diaz bit. Nate was but like, this was out. laps. This, this was fucking oh, you know, laps. That was right. They were like playing tag. You, you, <laughs> I don't know. 
That was crazy. But amazing to come back from head kicks, drop with a head kick, and, and comes back and wins. I mean, that was just an incredible. I think Lacerda has not won a fight in the UFC, but it doesn't matter. I'd still watch this guy fight every day of the week. He was running, and as he was running, the guy and uh, Daniel uh, Lasada was doing like spinning kicks and kicking him when he was running. <laughs> Matt, how do you coach? How do you coach him in that situation? You see one of us, and we're in the cage, and we start ru- literally running. Do you say stop? You got to fight. Don't don't run. That's I can't. Be, I don't know, man. I don't see a lot of you guys doing that. Right? It's a weird, I'm like, a weird ah, one. jump the cage. I don't know. That fucking running away. Not a good sign. <laughs> but I mean, sometimes you just got to get your wits among you. And uh, yeah, it wasn't a cowardice thing. He just no. had his legs underneath him because he got hurt. And then, man, the next round he came back. It was cool because he was a hometown guy. So CJ Figuera, that was fucking awesome, man. Well, it's not like boxing where they can just clinch and collect. Like, you know what I mean? If that was a boxing match, he would have just held on a few times uh, and tried to clinch to, to get to get himself together. But, you know, MMA is just so much harder because there's not a second you can, uh, you know, there is no break. did you guys think of Andrea Lee versus Macy Baba? Did you agree with that decision? I don't know. Uh, based on the, the stats and everything, I don't know. I got to go with Andrea Lee. She got the takedowns. She got control. She had way more control time. And then as far as the stats with the punching and the strikes, uh, it was very, very, very close to where I would give the control time a little bit, the nod. Yeah, I man, I thought she won that. I, I remember being over, being like, "Really, wow." Well, you, you Andrea who you, Lee won, or or Mason? I thought, I thought Andrea Lee won. I did. I was shocked. So I remember being in the third round, being like, "All right, Macy Bob has got to do something." I mean, she's she's in the fight, but she's not winning the rounds. I mean, you add in those takedowns, and the stand up was close. She wasn't getting worked standing. She was landing also. Like she would agree. And you know, if anything made the difference, it was the takedown and control time. I mean. Let me ask you something. Sorry to interrupt you, Matt. I, I don't know. It is because I'm looking 29, 28, 28, 29. That's how a split should go. But of course, there's a 2730 in favor of Macy Barber. I want to look up. Can we see if 2730 is the same judge that went 48, 47? Because he's a guy who's only his fourth fight judging in the UFC. He's a local guy. Um, I forget his name. There's a J O J Ojeda, the second last name. I, I might be wrong about this judge's last name. I it might just be, he must be a very unqualified MMA judge who's putting, um, I don't know what he, what he's putting stock in. I mean, I, I can't even, but again, maybe that's not him, but can we see who 2730 was? Did you, did you guys see the Fury FC fight this weekend too? I did not. Danielle. Wait, Dan, Dan Miracle. I know he's a judge. The ref. Wow! Now, so now he's now he's gonna work on fucking that up now instead of fucking his ref. Wait a minute, thirty twenty. <laughs> he gave it thirty. Tw- uh, Marie gave it thirty twenty seven in favor of Macy Barber. Boo, Big Dad. Boo, bro! Like it's ridiculous. Wow. Stick, okay. Stick to your indecisive ref refing. So does that mean he got kicked out of a as a ref and now he's a judge? Or you, you I do- don't know, man. He should go back to teaching his shoot fighting. Man, the ju- everything needs to change in this sport somehow. Judging is I, bad. I, I, I like the idea of open scoring because I think Yo, it puts a little bit more responsibility. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's completely different than anything we've ever seen in combat sports, but I think 
it puts a little bit more responsibility on those judges. You're going to put a face to the name. You're actually going to know who they are. Like we know some names. We know Dan. We know Judge Doug, Douglas Crosby. But that's, but that's it. But how many of these guys make terrible decisions and we don't know who they are? They have, they don't have to answer for it. I feel like there has to be one. There has to be. I think the open scoring would be good. I think it would be good for the fighters to know if they won or lost a round. And it'll also be good for the public to know who, who these judges are and what they're scoring each round. And they could have, they have to answer for it. Yeah. I think during a fight, instead of watching the fight, you're going to be like, I can't believe they gave that round to him. Not a half rounds over. And you're still bitching about the other round. And uh, the fight is going to be like, wait, I just lost that round. How did I lose that round? Now he's thinking of that when he's, I don't know. I yeah, think, but you're I gonna have to. I think you're gonna have to program your fighters to be like they have to look past it all, and but at least they know education. You know where you know. are because you, you are the there either way. Like you better a off knowing it. Game every you know the score like every sport you know the score. It's just like our sport. We don't really know until the end. Or boxing, yeah. Any well, combat sports fought. you don't know until the end. And both those sports are always a problem, right? There's always type of you know some type of controversy going on with our with our scorekeeper. You know what you- I find that. Very interesting. <laughs> what? You know what I find? Jimmy just looks at me. Jimmy don't like when I ask questions that I know the answer to. <laughs> Jimmy <doesn't laughs> Jimmy's like, do you want me to guess you fuck? I'm only kidding. Listen, this is what, what do you I find, find interesting? interesting. I find interesting that Patty Pimplet, Pimplet, oh, yeah. he has a victory over Jared Gordon, yet immediately hops on a video after ankle surgery to call out Jared Gordon for a rematch. He he doesn't like that everybody thinks that he lost that fight, which he, everybody does think he lost. He, he did lose that fight, and he's saying it in a way like Jared's bitching and, and all this, but I think he knows, like, if he watched that back, Patty's a smart guy, and, you know, I, you can't always listen to what somebody says publicly. He, that has to bother him on some level uh, when everybody is saying that they think you lost that fight. I mean, you know what I mean? Like as, as a fighter, wouldn't that make you at least think maybe that if all these respected fighters are saying this, maybe I did. Yeah. But he, now he's also trying to say that it's because the doctors thought it was crazy that his ankle got hurt in the first round. And somehow he was able to push through all three rounds and he didn't give up as soon as the ankle was injured. Like it's an amazing, it's a feat. Look at you. How dare Jared Gordon thinks he actually beat you, even though I was truly injured. That's kind of rough, though. I mean, I, I think Patty's – I like Patty. I yes. Do, and he's got – listen, whenever you're, like, into this limelight, the way he's, like, you get thrust into, like, the, the forefront. Now you're supposed to be the next big thing to catch. You know, you're going to get dealt with some criticism. And I think by him talking like this, it's like, hey, man, and Chris knows, shit, dude, you don't get into that cage. Sometimes we're, all of us are fucked up. You know, you know how many losses I had where I want to be like, oh, I got to go. You can't do that. You can't do that because you sound silly because everybody's fucked up. But then he goes, he goes, I said, are you mad? You think I'm some pussy? People are like, oh, Jared Gordon did so well. He only done so well because me ankle was fucked, you stupid what? I think that's a mistake he's making. I like it's almost like you're painting yourself into a corner now where you have to fight this guy again. If he would have come up and just said, you know what, that was a really great fight. I have to watch it back. I'm happy I got the decision. People wouldn't be harping on it as much. I don't think people would be as upset about it if he had handled it the way Blahovich handled the fight uh against uh 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 you know what I mean? With humility, people are like, yeah, all right, it happens. 
But I think because he was so cocky about it, people like, I want to see him fucking fight him again. This is my theory. And I think I think what he's doing is probably really smart because think about it. The UFC is going to have to give him a bump up in, comp- in competition after Jared Gordon. And he's not ready for that. Someone is going to expose him. He was exposed against Jared Gordon. And, you know, I love Jared Gordon. Great guy. His, his story is amazing. But when you look at the top of that division, he's a very small, he's a, he's a small guy and he's not there. Like he, he doesn't have paint all over him, you know, a future, you know, world champion. And uh, I think it's a, it's, if any, if you look at that weight class, like if any of the fights it's probably the most winnable fight for Patty Pimblett. So why not just stick to this level until you kick it past it? Yeah. Interesting point. You may be right. Um, which yeah. I don't know if he's gonna. Interesting. I don't. I hey, mean, yeah. Chris Weidman, champion. What talk, to me, talk to me. Oh, there you go. You still? Hey, you still play video games? Bro, I play video games. Uh, I've actually recently was playing too much video games, and so I had to uh, delete them off my computer. So now I just play them on my phone. You like so, VR? Wow. I know you like VR. <laughs> What have you been playing? I, oh, Population One. You know who I got on there with me? Who's in my squad? Who? Oh. Edwin, my brother. <laughs> oh, That's he awesome. loves it. Oh my like, god! Hey, listen, I love Edwin, but he listen. Besides anime, he's into these stupid games on his phone where he's like, "I go, what's that?" He was like, "Oh, there's that's a battle going on." And I'm like, "Oh, he's a hundred percent pressing yeah. any buttons or anything." I go, "There's a battle going on." How fun is that? He's and I see things going on as well. Dude, it's so I, I just don't like it. But I got him into the VR and oh shit. He reminds you guys me play, of you play, like every night? he likes the M60 and it reminds me of Roadblock because Roadblock in G.I. Joe was the big black guy. <laughs> and and Roadblock had the big gun. Yeah. Like you know, anyway. Uh yeah, yeah, we play a lot. That's all anyway, I- back to UFC unfiltered. What's up, Jimmy? <laughs> Yeah, I like playing chess in VR. I like VR chess. Do you? Really? You sit in the room and there's like this weird like music playing and uh, it plays at different levels too. And you can feel your hand moving the pieces. Yeah, I love it. Can I tell you something about Ralphie Serra, my father? He had me at a very young age, Ralphie. And uh, he had me at 19. He got my wife my, my, wow. pregnant. And uh, yeah, so he had me, you know, I was a happy little mistake. I'm not, I'm this emoji, Chris. Like, anyway, <laughs> listen, so, you know, he was a little immature. Where'd I get it from? But he, a little, so like growing up, every holiday, every, every gathering, him, Jimmy, I might have told you this before, but I'm telling Chris, him and my grandfather would sit for hours playing chess. Sometimes they do. The oh. And I would sit there and watch him be like, one day I'm going to play chess. With them. They're playing chess. So my father went to show me one day. Boom. Are you going to go there? <laughs> yeah. He beat the shit out. I, I was a kid. I'm sitting there and he walked off. He just took a shit on me on the, on the chessboard. <laughs> walked off. Never taught me anything. I'd go here. He'd kind of get on. Oh, really? Beep, beep, beep. Use his fucking horse and bishop. and. Sure. I never learned how to play chess. Aww. Thank you. Thank you. Did you, want you to play, Chris? Gambit? I do play. I, I, well, I haven't been playing recently, but I got super into it. I will say out of, and not to brag, but it's the truth. Al Joe and all the guys from the school, everybody was playing for a long time. And yes. I was the, I was the cream of the crap. I was the guy that they couldn't beat. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Longo yeah. play? 
I don't think so. I like the ch- I like the checkers and the Jenga. Okay, Longo, calm down. Anyway, listen. <laughs> Wait, Chris, are, we- what, are you on an app? Do you play on any app? Yeah, I'm on the chess app. <laughs> Which one? There's uh, I-, I play chess with friends. Oh boy. Uh, I- I- no, I, I just I do the regular chess board. one. But I will say this: this is the thing. I got so into it that. I learned all the strategies, like not all the strategies, but I learned a lot of the strategies that, you know, the opening phase strategy, the closing phase, what like all these different, different options. And, uh, and it was a lot of memory. It was just me memorizing basically the things I'm being taught on YouTube or wherever I was watching. So I, I took probably like six months off. And at that time I was good. I was legit. I, uh, my ranking was, I don't know, like a 1800 or something that I think is pretty good. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I took off and then I came back recently and I was like, holy crap, I forgot everything. I forgot all these opening stuff. And then now, so I'm, I'm actually worse than ever right now. <laughs> That's all right. It's fun. I really uh-huh. fell apart. Yeah. I never play like rated games or any of that stuff. I just, cause I, I'll never be great. Like I'm an average player, but I just love it, but I'll, I'll never be, even if I was good, who cares? Like, like, like great players were better at the age of seven than I, I can be forever. So I'll never do. Do you do time games? Is it like quick times or you just go? I've never it, played. I just play on the thing. You know what I mean? Like uh, I always want to stop in the park. I walk by those guys every night in Washington square. Um, they're always playing. And those homeless guys are good because they play for food and their drink money. You saw so those them guys, in Searching for Bobby Fischer. You ever see that movie? I did. I just watched yeah. it again to you about Josh Waitzkin. Um, he's also a jujitsu black belt, by the way, that guy. No way. Uh, Josh went on. The yeah. The kid that the, the movie was made after? That's right. Yeah. He never oh. became a grandmaster, I don't think. But he did go on to become a jujitsu black belt. Um, and, and he was a great young player. What's Matt thinking right now is the question. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, who wants to play a game of checkers? Matt, are you saying, are you saying, Matt, this this conversation has been checkmated? That's awesome. Not good. All right. Yeah, we could play. We could. I'll, I'll. I'll go on chess with friends, and we could play. Okay, yeah, I'll get the app. Yeah, I, I don't. You get me. Back I don't have that it. app. Oh, yeah, I well, you said you have chess with. No, friends. no, I do have chess with. Oh, chess with friends. I think you meant. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, the chess, the regular chess app. Yeah. Why, man? What are you? What are you watching now? What movies have you seen lately? Me and you, we're into that pop culture. We like a lot of shows. What are you watching? Anything? Are you and uh, Marie? Are you watching anything together? Have well, you watched Last of Us? I seen no. I watched Creed three. I went to the movie theater and watched Creed three with, with Creed CJ. How was then it? I, um, the Creed two was terrible. Creed three a little bit better. Okay. And I don't like the it. acting. They did, sucks. They did no Sylvester Stallone. No Sylvester Stallone at all in that movie. First Where is he ever. supposed to be during it? He should be because it's you know Creed's son, and he was supposed to almost be like a like a father figure. No, I know. Yeah, but what happened? Where was he in the movie? Was he like? I, oh. I think he said he said what I've read online is that he didn't want to be in it because it was too dark. Oh no, no, he didn't want to be on it because there was like a, a was, creative. Uh, they like the people owned the right. They took the rights from him from I think either the Rocky franchise or or the Creed franchise. He never had the rights to the movie. I saw his name movies, in the yeah. credits for something. I didn't, I, I was in the movie, but I missed uh, on what it said. If it said He's not happy writer. about the people producing it and whatnot. Exact producer, yeah. Oh, he was an executive he, he, producer. He's not happy about any of it. And he said if the people weren't involved, maybe he'd get back involved. But during the movie, they they, made, they didn't kill him off or nothing. what they say he was? He just like, never existed. 
Never they, they mentioned his name. They mentioned like him, him versus um, when he when he fought Apollo. They because Apollo gave him a chance, and it was like you know uh, you know uh, underdog story, and and they kind of made a drew a parallel between him and the Apollo's uh, Creed son. Man, so, I, 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 I and this other actor in there. Yeah, I know. I'm not a big fan of it, but uh, the back to the what else? I, with my wife, Yellowstone, we got through, and then yes, uh, oh, I'm on 1923 the and 1880, whatever. Yeah, I, I'm watching. I watched all the Yellowstones. I'm watching this. I'm watching the main one now. I'm on season two. Oh, Yellowstone. And yeah, we're digging it. We're digging. Did it. you watch 1923? Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, I watched that whole thing. I, I love that. I so yeah, I'm not done with it yet. So I'm, oh, giving it I'm not gonna say nothing. I'm not gonna say nothing. I watched that. And I'm to the I, part where the son's coming from Africa. The the nephew's coming from Africa. Yeah, the guy, the, he was in the safari and stuff. Yes. and he's coming back to America, and I cannot wait for him to get there. That's kind of where I'm at. That's exciting. I yeah. know, I'm, right, I'm with you. I, I watched that yeah. whole thing, and I watched the other one, 1823, and that was cool, man. Shit, it was very. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I like that kind. Of, you know what movie you have to see that's very dark and and fucking. And deep and, and and wild is uh hostiles hostiles hostile hostile is is that the As, one with a uh, like kidnapping? No, not hostile. Hostiles <laughs> with Christian Bale. Look it up, producer Batman. Stop it, Jimmy. <laughs> he was Batman. Hostiles. I'm Batman. Hostiles. Yeah. Hostiles. Yeah. Hostiles. Producer, look it up. Christian Bale, American Psycho. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. She has a great ass. Sorry. That's what yeah. he Well, they really fucked Pacino with that movie. They fucked they yeah. fucked him with editing out the cocaine thing. Yeah, yeah. They were supposed to say he's on coke. Hey, producer, yeah. are you looking up the movie I'm talking about? Jake the Mighty Ginger. Oh, yes, it's called Hostiles. Hostiles. 2017. Western drama film. You already looked it up. Thank you, Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. At least I could do. Sorry, Jake. I took the job. <laughs> hey, <over>. Jake. <laughs> Work on your typing. No, I mean, do you do you like the South, Chris? Do you like do you like it down there, or do you just it's it better cost of living and shit? But do you like what you happy? No, I, I honestly I love it. What I do miss though, when I do go back to New York, and I don't realize it till I go back, is the like just the bus and the balls. I go down to the gym and like everybody busts each other's balls, and it's like whatever. It's fun. It makes it fun. So you like breaking the balls, and down there you can't break balls. I can't break balls as much. Like it. Like I have a couple friends down here that I could bust balls with, but. Not much. Like, it, it, you know, it just, it gets awkward when I want to bust their balls and I can't. I just have to like talk Why? normal, just have normal conversation. Like, who, no. you know, realize that like, we don't have normal conversation. We always just have to do something to bust each other's balls. I, for instance, we walk into the school, the academy, the gym, Longo's taking a shit. That alone, that's 25 minutes worth of material. Yeah. Wow, where is it? What the fuck did you kill in there, Longo? Shut up. <laughs> Longo, what? The, every time we come in here, you're taking a fucking shit. Yes. We have fun with it. Oh, my God. Well, you're the funniest dude ever. Like, like, oh, my gosh. When I'm with you, it's just nonstop laughing. Nonstop, nonstop <laughs> laughing. I know you should. Are you going to do stand-up comedy? No. But you <laughs> was just in Austin, were you? Well, yeah, but that's, you know, yeah. I heard. On oh, Rogan. did you go to Joe Rogan's uh, oh. thing yet? The mothership. I did. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was open. I did the first. This Kill Tony is a podcast. It's funny. It's actually coming out tonight. Uh, Kill Tony will be released 
Um, I was there with Whitney and Bert Cummings. We did the first one from the mothership and Joe was there. So I did a spot the night before and he showed me around the club and really it's, it's really a beautiful club because it's, it's everything for a comedian, little shit that the audience wouldn't notice that makes our lives easier. Like it's just, it's perfectly put together. The sound is fucking great. The ceilings are low. The cameras are great if you want to shoot something. So as a comic, I just, I can't wait to get back there. Coming from the heart too. He loves that. Like, yeah, you know. and he's a comic. I mean, Joe's a comedian before he's anything. So, um, you know, a lot of people uh, know him from other things, but I mean, I know him from stand up first. He's been a stand up for over 30 years. How is there anything like, has it blown it all away? Is it blown out these other comedy clubs? Because I mean, he's put a lot of money probably into it and he knows exactly what he would think would be the best. There's a lot of good ones. Like, you know, there's some really amazing clubs in the country that just have everything right, the formula right. So Joe's is on par with all those. The thing where Joe's is even better is again, like when you're backstage and there's a blue light, so you know when the comedian has gotten the light on. Little things that make your life as a comic much easier. And the sound is perfect. Um, it looks like there's not a bad seat in the house. It's great for specialty podcasts like Kill Tony because you can have a band up on this little riser on the right, or you can put seats there. Uh, he pretty much thought of everything. Um, and, and the way they, uh, they, they make sure that the room is behaved um so yeah it, it's it's uh absolutely one of the best clubs um the how sound do they do is, that how do they make sure the room is behaved i i think they just when they know they're gonna get thrown out for fucking around like you know what i mean people know that some clubs i believe you have to put your phones in the bag i'm not sure i don't remember but uh it, it's just as a comic you feel like i know nothing shitty is gonna happen here he's got a lot of security a lot of guys patrolling the room and making sure that nobody's getting on a line or heckling and it, it's just it's a great club Love it. Yeah. 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 I can't wait to, awesome to do it. Yeah. I was happy for him because you don't, I love Joe and you don't want it to be a shitty club. So, I, and I assumed it wouldn't be, but actually walking through it and performing at it uh, and doing a podcast, it's just, it's unbelievable. The energy in there is as good as any room in the country. I, I haven't been to too many comedy shows um, just because I don't know why, but I recently, I went to a Kevin James special. It was in, uh, it was in South Carolina, which was awesome. It was yeah. in a smaller arena. It was like 3,000 people. It was, it was awesome. And then I went to Adam Sandler one, which was in a, like in a, like a 13,000 sure. person arena. And what a difference, like a dip, like to have, and, and it was long. I don't know how long, but it was like, a, you know, hour, over hour and a half or something, but he was like playing music and all that stuff. But like the sell out, sell out a stadium like that. I feel like it's hard, hard for comedy to do. Like, as it a, is. like I, usually it's like music and it was a little weird. Like I honestly, Nothing against Adam, but I like the I like the smaller place way better. They're much better to perform in, and luckily for me, I'll never achieve that level. But if you have, if you ever want to go see what it looks like with uh, fifty people and a hundred open seats, I'll be happy to get you a ticket. <laughs> 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 but it's one of those things where those are hard uh, arenas are hard to do. There's a lot of money in them, and they're prestigious for stand up. Um, and they just it's great to do that many seats. Uh, but yeah, I think to perform most guys like Joe's club, there's the, the regular room and there's a smaller room, which looks like, I think the belly room at the store, much smaller, just to work out, do open mics. Comedians can go in there and Chappelle wanted to do the first show in that room. It's just 150 seats or whatever. It's, it's tiny. Um, and Chappelle does arenas, but he wanted to come in and do that room, uh, specifically cause he just wanted to do a set in this small, intimate room. So there is something about performing in these rooms that are, are much smaller, which the comedians themselves love, you know, but to shoot something, you probably want to do it in a bigger place. I agree. Hey, 
Hey, Wyman, when do you think, now that you're back to, you competed in a grappling match, when do you think you're going to be able to fight again? When? When is the timeline? I think in the summer. Sometime oh. in the summer. I was saying June, but I'm thinking maybe International Fight Week. Sometime around that time period, I'll be good to go. We're talking 185. 185, yeah. I got down to 210 for this grappling event, and uh, and my oh. weight's not flying back up again, so I'll be good. I'll be I'll be good to make 185 now. When you don't have a fight, which you don't right now, what's a typical day, dude? What do you do? You wake up. It's Monday morning. What'd you, what do you do? Well, this morning, I got a little workout in. I went on the treadmill, did uh, like a half an hour, just run and walk and whatever. I was watching a movie, Life, old school movie. And then uh, did like, you know, some air squats and little stuff on the side afterwards, some little physical therapy. And then I went into my sauna. I don't know for how long I was preoccupied, but a long time until I was like suffering. And then I went to the ice bath. Ah. And uh, you're in the cold plunge. Yes. Yeah. Shit. Well, Do you have Kevin one at James home? Or- me, oh, yeah. He, Kevin gave it to me years ago. He had so Kevin's crazy. He'll like Google, you know, the next best thing all the time and he'll just get it sent to his house. He's got crazy money. So he he was he wanted to do contrast therapy. So he bought a, a cold tub that also does hot. So it's cold and hot. And he bought two of them. So we could have one cold and one hot at all, at all times. At one point, like months later, he realized he reads something online that maybe it's not good to go from hot to cold. So he was like getting rid of the tub. He was like, Why, when you want it? I'm like, Yes. And so I have this filtered tub that goes hot and cold, but I just keep it at cold. And uh now I know it's a trend, but I had it years ago and I love it, man. I gotta say, when I when I do it. I feel so much better. Every it really helps time. you because it sucks. It really does. So like the, the science behind this is pretty cool. They said basically like the hormones that you secrete, it's like every performance hormone because you're basically your body and your brain think you're dying. They think you're in the middle of Antarctica somewhere and you're freezing to death. They know, oh, crap, we, we got to start. We got to survive. So it starts secreting all these healthy hormones like testosterone, growth hormone. You start secreting extra red blood cells to keep yourself alive, all the good stuff. And then you get out of there and you get to keep that. Plus, when you do the cold, it gives you this crazy head high, like almost like you just took a monster hit of something really good. And nice. it's completely natural. It's like all these all these hormones being secreted in your brain. And the same thing with the heat. Your body thinks you're dying, and then you get to walk away with all these hormones that were secreted to keep you alive. Well, doesn't so it show you how dumb you're... As much as possible. And doesn't it show you how... Your body is so dumb, right? Because you, you, you think your body will be connected to your eyes, which you like, we're getting up, we're in the bathroom, we're not in Antarctica, but the body just kind of panics and reacts the way it would react with, without even though it knows what you're doing. How long do you got to sit in for? So when you have a real cold, apparently like two to three minutes is all you need. It's just- Oh, that's it? Yeah. After that, you're good. I used to do like 10, honestly, after like two or three minutes, it's not even hard anymore. I have the water running, so you keep you, you don't have like a thermal protection, like you know heat. So if you have a tub that you just sit in, after like thirty seconds, your body creates enough heat to where like there's a thin layer of warm water around your body because the heat uh-huh. it kind of warms it up. So it's important to have the water moving while you're oh. while, you, while you're in there, so you keep getting that cold water hitting your skin. Um, but anyway, after like two or three minutes, it apparently is all you need from the guys that learned from on uh, Rogan, Rogan's podcast. Well, <laughs> can I just add that when you feel like you're going to die, you can't catch your breath. I feel that I'm afraid for my little bird because he might die. His little heart. I feel Jimmy. He might go in there. And when you go to and his heart, <laughs> he might just like, he might just <laughs> fall over. 
we'll take him out and it'll be like his skin will be all like wrinkly bubbly like 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 prickly and like uh and it looks like a bird like that like, like abandoned by his his, his uh bird mama and he'll just be sitting there i don't jimmy stay away from the cold no 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 because just like a bird if somebody wants to bring me back they can just puke in my mouth and then oh, I'll-, <laughs> I'll come over to you oh jimmy uh, i want to protect you listen yeah, it's right. been an hour what, yeah. we, what are we talking about we talked about everything yeah what else we got? I have to pack. I'm flying in the morning. Where are you going, buddy? Uh, L.A. I'm, I'm on this Burt Kreischer roast, which premieres April 1st on OnlyFans TV. So I'm going out to uh, go to the premiere, which I never do. But I love this. This yeah. roast was great. So. He's awesome. fun. He was on this show. Yeah, Burt's awesome. Chris, the great Chris Weidman, what do you want to plug, man? Uh, my radio show. Won't back, won't back Down Radio on Sirius XM every Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern time from 5 to 6 um live on sirius xm channel 156 fight nation and then it's also if you have a podcast um huh? you could get it it's won't on won't back down um yeah wherever you get your podcast just type in won't back down it'll what, pop up what's it about sorry we yo. talk about we talk about the fights for the most part and we have people on like today i had one the boy and uh san hagen on as guests and then <laughs> The other parts of the show will just be me spitballing about, you know, what happened in the week prior with the fights and then what's coming up in the future. You know, it's like a, I'm a radio show guy. I take people in and out of breaks. Yeah. You know, it's a uh, it's been fun. It's been a challenge. It's been a fun challenge for me to, to do it for sure. Who's your co-host, Chris? Do you have a co-host? No, I'm on my own. Oh, that's great. That's that's been the challenge. It's been a really good experience. Something to throw on the resume, but especially in the beginning, very very challenging because it's an hour and a lot of it is a monologue and me, me, me just talking. Right. And right. First, you don't realize, you know, at least for me, I didn't realize how many times I'm saying, um, and ah, what am I supposed to say next? And it's all just being, you know, recorded. I'm like, this is, this is crazy. This is really hard. Yeah. That's but, the part about having a co-host. If you're doing it on your own is great. Cause you can just kind of, you know, you're a fighter, so you can talk for an hour about it. But if you have somebody with you, there's always two people to talk. I would always prefer to to do it with like Bill Burgess's podcast alone, which is great that he can do that. But me, I require another person. So I started my, I'm with you. I did the podcast. I did my, I started my podcast right after I got injured and uh, I always had a guest on. It'd be for like an hour, hour and a half. I was trying to do like almost like a Rogan, just BSing about everything, uh, all different types of people. And then Sirius XM brought me on and then it was completely different. Me on my own, a bunch of the segments on me just talking on my own. So that was, that was difficult, but I'm starting to get to the point where I like it, but I agree way easier when you have a host. Sure. With Although else, doing it solo, doing it solo, I could see being really fun. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> oh no, sorry. I was just, <laughs> I saw your eyes lit up before when you go, Oh, you do it yourself. Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> well, listen, Thank you, Chris. Always good any, seeing you, man. Yes, you too, man. Plug. Chris, I miss you, buddy. Jimmy, I miss you, but I know I'll be seeing you in two days. I beep him on his little nose. I pop him like that. Yep. <laughs> He's a grown ass man. I do that to him. And I, I accept him. What do you want to plug? Nothing. Uh, I'm not going to be in the Fat Black Pussycat this Wednesday because I'm away in LA, but all uh, every Wednesday in uh, April, you can see me do an hour there. And I also have New Jersey, uh, Bethlehem, PA. Um, New Hampshire and Cleveland coming up. So go to jimnorton.com if you want to come see me. And Chris, right. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, Matt, I'll see you Wednesday. Great again. Great. Safe travels. You. Matt, right. great seeing you, brother. Always great seeing you. Love to the fam. Yes, you too.